I have a sense of both identity and belonging, mm-hmm. and that's because I've had my identity stolen. So therefore, ah! there are multiple Brian Mulherns. <laughs> I feel like we've got a nice little group going here. You got a few of those. Hey you, it's us, Courtney and Brian, coping on the couch yet again for episode 86. She, Courtney Kelly, mental health therapist, longtime mental health therapist, I, a longtime mental health patient, we have joined forces to make a <laughs> podcast where we look at both sides of the aisle here to try to remove some of the stigmas when it comes to mental health therapy. Every week, we pick a unique topic, and this week, it is what, Courtney? We are talking all about identity and belonging, a sense of belonging, Brian. It's really, really important. And actually, when you look at different studies, you can see that helps with self-esteem. It increases self-esteem when you have that sense of belonging. It also can be a protective factor against depression and anxiety when you really can put a finger on that as far as who that you're around that you can identify with, what groups you belong to, and dig a little bit deeper into your identity. I have a sense of both identity and belonging, Mm -hmm. and that's because I've had my identity stolen. So therefore, Ah! there are multiple Brian Mulherns. I feel like we've got a nice little group going here. You got a few of those. But yes, it is very important to have that sense of belonging. And there's lots of ways that you can have that with your peer groups. You can have that with religious groups, with your family, that kind of thing. But How I think, about two, if people all love the same sports team? Mm-hmm, that's right. another big one. Another sense of belonging. The thing is, though, we can have an issue sometimes when we over-identify with some of the things that are a struggle for us, and sometimes we over-identify as that, and that can be a barrier to our happiness. And also, we don't feel like we fit in anywhere. That can be a big problem for our mental health. So I thought this would be something that we can bring up. And this is a wide range. I have clients who are transgender and they've been dealing with that identity issue since they were kids because they didn't feel that they fit in with the gender that they were assigned. And so this could be for people who were born in a situation and they don't feel like they identify with the people around them. There's a lot of different ways to look at this, but when people have that loss of identity or a sense that they don't belong, it can really be impactful. And I imagine this can be a big problem for some of the younger people and social media once again Mm -hmm. can be an issue here because in terms of belonging and also not only that other technologies where they can keep track of where their friends are right if your friend says i can't do this with you because i'm going to be home i have a lot of homework but then they can see that you're at another address Mm -hmm. then you go on socials you see photos from that party that you weren't invited to these are all things that we didn't have when we were younger and as we always say a lot of your issues start at a younger age Mm -hmm. so you have to do a lot of work with your kids when it comes to stuff like this. And it feels like sometimes as parents, and I'm sure as a therapist, you're constantly on defense. Yeah. I think it's really important to note that shining a light on that for parents to understand this too, to check in with their kids, because like you said, there's a lot of pressures now. There's also a lot of stuff that we didn't know that kids know now, or like you said, tracking people and knowing that someone is not telling you the truth about something, or even like all of this bullying and stuff that's going Mm -hmm. on online. This is really detrimental to kids' feeling of belongingness, and we really want to watch that because depression starts to spike when people don't feel a sense of membership in their community. Community, whether that's with their peers, like I said, or their families. And so sometimes just going that extra step and just checking in with your kids and saying, hey, what's going on? Sometimes we tend to kind of let them do their video games and hang out and do what they're doing. But I think it's important for us to go to them and check in with them and say, hey, what's happening? 
how you feeling, what's going on at school, and really check in with them on that. And speaking to that with the socials, never mind just the kids, the adults, many times we go out there and we are our own worst enemy. Because we want to feel like we belong, Mm -hmm. we'll just blindly throw out a political opinion Mm -hmm. in the hopes that it'll get a lot of likes and shares and everyone's going to love us or we'll let you know how we feel about COVID. And then what happens? The exact opposite. So you start getting all worked up and suddenly you don't feel like you belong. Suddenly you feel like you're out on an island unto yourself. Now, too, you're dealing with anger issues, depression, anxiety, Mm -hmm. all of these things. For as much as we try to do things to better ourselves and make ourselves feel better, occasionally we can be our own worst enemies. Right. And sometimes we're seeking belongingness and love in, as the song would say, all the wrong places. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sometimes that can happen. And I think that's a good place for therapy, too. Sometimes we go, why do I keep choosing these kind of relationships? Or why do I keep gravitating towards some of this negative stuff? Well, those kind of patterns we can look at in therapy, and that can be really important. And I know for me, I had a long journey with trying to figure out things with my identity. And I think that that was part of the reason why I gravitated toward the entertainment business. I was looking for that praise and that acceptance. And I figured if I got accepted in that way, then that would be huge and that sense of belonging. But what happens is sometimes we look for it in places where there's a lot of rejection. So if you're going... Show business. Exactly, show (laughs) business. So if you're trying to find that love, which is what a lot of people are seeking when they go into those kind of industries, the opposite actually happens. And you have to keep trying to prove yourself and you feel like you're not adequate. So it is important to figure out what kind of places you're looking at and what is that that you're trying to get back? Because sometimes we're doing actually the opposite of what we need. And sometimes there are additional layers to that because here's this weird thing about me. It's kind of ironic. I'm not a person who loves attention, Mm -hmm. but I think I don't like intimate attention. Mm -hmm. So I want people to laugh at me or enjoy something that I'm doing at an arm's length. Uh And that's something that I've had to look at as well. And that's something that I have struggled with in relationships at times. Mm -hmm. I don't feel that trusting. I always feel like I have to keep a distance because I'm trying to protect myself from being hurt. And when I first got into show business, it was easier because there were no internet trolls. Heck, there was no AOL. There wasn't Mm -hmm. even that. So I always felt like the kinds of entertainment that I did, radio and writing for television, I would be relatively anonymous. No one is anonymous anymore. Anymore, And to speak to somebody, too, who seems to be constantly seeking affection, and I really see just about everything that you're talking about in this one person, and I know her a little bit, Mm -hmm. and I hope she doesn't hear this, and I hope she's not offended, but I was just saying this to my wife the other day. Jana Kramer, who is a country music artist and an actress sometimes, you can see where she almost can't get out of her own way. She's been married, I don't know what it is, three, four, five times. Mm -hmm. She keeps ending up with these guys who end up cheating on her or mistreating her, and then what happens? It ends, and then she just keeps going out onto Instagram every day. Love me, pay attention to me, notice me. She was that way sometimes as an artist. It is probably why she pursued a career in show business, and every time I see her doing that, because I care about her as a person, I just feel like I want to grab her and say, Jana, take a look at some of these choices that you're making. Mm -hmm. Take a look at the way that you're addressing this. You don't have to expose everything about your life every day in a podcast just to get people to notice you. I think there are healthy levels of that, but I think there are also unhealthy levels. And all too often, I feel like she crosses that line. Yeah. And it can be concerning when we see people that we care about that are putting things out there, but in such a way, like you said, because 
because they feel they really need that connection, mm-hmm. but they're doing it in such a way that it also lends itself to some other negative things right. and to things that can be really hurtful. And our hearts go out to her because she's been of going course. through so many different and things. And she's a great person. And I want to really stress that. Person, I'm not yeah. saying that from a place oh, no, of no. anger yeah. or I'm not trying to be negative or troll her or whatever. It's just because what I know about mental health mm-hmm. and about my own issues, I can recognize those right. things in others. Exactly. And she's so talented and she has all these things going for her, but ultimately she may have that really tender spot in her that's always looking to be filled up. And that does happen with people. And like you said, also, because of what's going on with social media and the culture of everything right now, it feeds into that. It's like you're constantly having to self-promote. And I think people get stuck in that too, always looking for the likes and the good comments and stuff. What I have discovered from people like her, because I've been fortunate enough to date some really beautiful women. And many times you see them with that hard shell and keeping Mm. people at an arm's length because I've had some of them say to me as I'm getting closer to them and maybe initially there was some mistrust a lot of guys just want to be with me just so they can say they were with me and it's Mm -hmm. all about the surface and they don't care about who I am as a person whereas we all want to look a certain way and think oh if I was just this beautiful model my life would be perfect not necessarily sometimes with that comes a lot of baggage and a lot of Mm -hmm. problems that people don't see coming and then that messes things up on the inside for as perfect as they look on the outside. Right. And the thing is, too, that I remember you had mentioned, too, about how you would hold people at arm's mm-hmm. length, too. Including my current wife, like an idiot, and I could have yeah. lost her a thousand times over. Now, do you think part of that, too, you didn't want to show your authentic self, or did you think that she would reject something that if she got too close, she would see something that would be a turnoff that you would think would be a turnoff? This answer is going to take four, five, maybe six podcasts. <laughs> There's oh, okay. a lot it's going a on, Courtney. Going on. I mean, from my childhood, I've talked about often how I skipped a grade at an early age and I felt like I didn't necessarily fit in. I was the youngest kid mm. in the class. I was the little boy genius, Dewey Hauser, whatever, mm-hmm. which could open me up to maybe not being bullied necessarily, but being made fun of for yeah, some level on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I became a very shy and withdrawn person and my dad is not that and he pushed, 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 trying to get me to not be that. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, even though that was well-intentioned, it did more harm than good. Then I started being timid at sports and sucking at them and people would make fun of that. Then I got out into the dating world with all of these insecurities mm-hmm. and was looking to be fulfilled by those women and came at them too hard. And because of that, I'd screw it up. And then I started telling myself, well, now nobody loves me. Why is it? I guess I don't deserve love. On and on and on. And you mm-hmm. can see the snowball rolling down the hill. Yeah. So once I had been hurt so many times when I had become so invested and sometimes that point where things would break down was when marriage or kids or whatever came up by the time I got to my now wife, I was the idiot who on our first anniversary said, you know what? As I was taking her out to dinner, I know a lot of people are going to come to you and say, hey, it's been a year. When are you going to get married? I don't know that we should ever get married. I'm starting to think that the reason why this is working is because we're not talking about marriage and we're not talking about kids and we have a good balance. By the way, this is something that a woman never wants to hear. <laughs> what Learn was her from face looking like? I could see the deer in the headlights look. Like, but uh... this is where my life experience took me and where I was misreading so mm. many signals, making bad choices, feeling the wrong way about myself, processing so many things the wrong way. And I'm a human being. And this is why I have concern for Jana, because I see her making mistakes that are, I wouldn't say easily fixable. Mm-hmm. Therapy is a journey. You have to want to take oh, yeah. that journey and mm-hmm. you have to want to do the work. Yeah. But if you're willing to put in the work, you can fix them. And thank God, I think I fixed myself in time mm-hmm. to 
be able to salvage what was left of the relationship yeah. I had with my then girlfriend. And now I have a wife who incidentally had been through the ringer herself and had been through a divorce just as I had. Mm-hmm. And also she had to go to therapy to deal with some issues that she had on her end that would impact me negatively. Right. And we're both works in progress. This is something that's going to continue for the rest of our lives. But the good news is if you want to address it, you can address right. it. Boy, that was a long answer. I told you there was a lot <laughs> you there. You warned me. You did warn me. But that is true. I think, of course, we bring our baggage with us, right, mm-hmm. for everything. We don't just stop and say, oh, after therapy, maybe you do. You stop and say, okay, how am I reacting here? Is this from kind of the old way of looking at things? Right. What am I getting triggered about? What's another way that I can react? How else can I handle this? That's what therapy can do for you, is to help you to go to that wise place so that you can see the bigger picture and you can see what is controlling you at the moment, but that it doesn't need to, that you can actually choose a different way. Before you go to therapy or before you learn that, that's when all of the automatic stuff starts coming up and you tell yourself a story that may not necessarily be true and it can be damaging to your relationship. So that is another reason why having a stronger sense of identity and who you are in your own eyes and and having that sense of belonging can really be helpful to feel more stable with all of this because we're going to get shaken all over the place. It's life. And so we're going to get triggered. We're going to get hurt. But having a stronger sense of who you are can really be helpful to getting through those storms. And I can only imagine that you're going to agree with this because I've experienced this not only in my own life to a degree, but definitely with some friends, especially a friend of mine who lost a spouse way too early Mm -hmm. to pancreatic cancer. If you're going through grief and suddenly you don't know who you are without this person with whom you have been for, say, two decades, suddenly you're back out there. You want to talk about trying to refine yourself while getting a sense of belonging. The merits of group therapy, the merits of Mm -hmm. getting together with people who have experienced something similarly traumatic Mm -hmm. and talking it out amongst all of you with a professional in the room. It's so validating and you feel like, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not the only person going Mm -hmm. through this because no matter what, even logically, if you think there's other people out there, sometimes emotionally, you just feel so awful and so hurt that you think no one would ever understand what I'm going through. And when you go to group therapy like that, it blows your mind and it opens your mind to, oh my gosh, other people can really understand this. And that is that really strong sense of belonging. The thing is, belonging is so fundamental. We do have that hardwired in us. We need to have those connections. For some of us, we need lots of connections. We need lots of people around us. We need all of that. For other people, it's a smaller amount. But it's on, a conti- yes, it's on a continuum, <laughs> but we all need some type of connection. And so that can be, like you said, when you're shook to your core and you don't have those roots and you're like, what am I doing? That's when it's really important to open up to the help that people want to give you and to surround yourself by people that you can have that sense of belonging. And here's the other potential problem to not having that. And by the way, you can seek that even online as mm-hmm. well if you're oh, afraid yeah. to get into a room There's initially. online groups. There's a ton of stuff on Facebook that right. they have for groups for people. Yep. But the problem is if you don't have something like that, you find yourself out there floating and there are well-intentioned people who will come to you and they're so nervous and they don't know what to say and they're not professionals, they'll ultimately either end up saying the wrong thing or they'll avoid it, Mm -hmm. which will make you feel worse. Or then you're looking at them interacting with the spouse who's still there. You start to resent them on some level. How are they ever going to understand me? And all of that stuff is very understandable and it's reasonable. But that's why it is better to get that tribal thing going. Mm -hmm. And try to find some peace and some sort of resolution and an ability to move on Mm -hmm. from there. Exactly. 
And if you don't know where to start, I mean, that could be a thing, too, of getting into therapy and working with your therapist about what groups might be helpful and kind of going back and forth about that. Because sometimes I've had clients who are like, I don't want to meet in a group. And I'm like, okay. But we start talking about it and we start to break it down and put a toe in the water. Maybe just try one group somewhere. Nothing that you have to commit to in a big way, but just to see. And a lot of times people surprise themselves that it's really, really helpful for them, especially when they're going through grief and loss. I imagine, though, there must be a certain percentage of personalities who want to be right. Mm -hmm. So they go into it with the wrong attitude. All right, I'll try it, but I'm going in with my arms folded and a puss Mm -hmm. on my face, and I can't wait to tell you that it didn't work. (laughs) Well, you know what? That happens anyways, right? (laughs) A lot of times I call it the yeah, but, which is kind of funny because my mother used to always say that to me. She'd be like, all right, you need to do this. Yeah, but. And she'd be like, stop with the yeah, buts. And I never understood it until I got older, probably when I'm a therapist. And I would make suggestions to people and they're like, ah, yeah, but. Or when you're getting yeah, butted by the (laughs) stepkids. Exactly. So I say, okay, what are you willing to do? Sometimes therapists, we have an expectation because we can see it. Just like anyone, you can see other people's problems clearer, right? And you can see what you think they need to do because that's not your problem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If it was your problem, you'd have blinders on just like you do with your own problems. So I may see something that's clear cut as far as what someone quote unquote should do, but they may not be willing. They may not be in a space to be able to do that. And maybe their path is different than that. Maybe that's one way, but there's another way that they're going to do it. So having that collaboration is important. Sometimes it's important to push yourself and say, okay, let me try something. But other times it's saying, okay, well, that might not work, but let me try this because we don't always know everything. Well, and sometimes too, they are so crushed by the weight of everything Mm -hmm. that's going on. They can't get perspective because they're being suffocated Mm -hmm. by it. And we have to have some sympathy and some empathy for that Mm -hmm. situation and not get impatient with them because that's not going to help anything. Yeah, of course. And that's one of the things, too, if you're looking for more of that sense of belonging, having that empathy for others and for yourself and sending out in the world what you're looking for, too. You know, if you're looking for that compassion for yourself, also send compassion out to other people. Like you said, walking around with the arms crossed and saying, well, I'm not going to give anything. Maybe sometimes we need to give a little to have that connection with someone so that we can get something back because there's other people that may want to help and to give, but they're a little intimidated. They feel like maybe you don't want it or they're going to do it the wrong way. That's what I always hear from people like, I want to give them comfort, but I don't know the right way to do it. It's important just to step forth and include people in that circle, especially people that you see that might be struggling and not having a group that they identify with and just trying to give them some of that support. So sometimes it's stepping out of our own own comfort zone to give someone else some support. And even when you're not necessarily down in the depths of loss Mm -hmm. or whatever else happens to be going on in your life, a rather humorous example that you and I discussed on our radio show earlier this week and a cool way that these women have a sense of belonging is something called the School of Mom. Mm -hmm. And it's in Massachusetts. And it's an annual event where these women, they allow an entire year to pass and they let all of the stress build up and all of the frustrations of probably being moms... (laughs) first and foremost, and dealing with stupid husbands and whatnot. And what they do is they go out into an open field and they just let loose with the screaming, Mm -hmm. the obscenities. They do it together. They have a few laughs when it's all done. Mm -hmm. And that is a great and sometimes
sometimes even a fun way because this can be fun yeah. if done the right way right. to get all of that poison, all of those toxins out. And there's a lot of research to show. And there have been some therapists to say, listen, it's not about talking all the time. If you have these emotions that go back a long time and they're holding you back, some of this frustration and anger, sometimes you have to get more primal about it and you got to get it out in ways like that, like screaming and yelling. And I think it can be so very helpful. I've had clients that I've recommended it to or who have tried it and loved it to get that out in spurts because instead of having it sit there in you, especially people who have been through traumas and things like that, it is so important. And what's better than having a community of people who you can scream with, right? And I can speak from experience. It's not all about talking all the time because my wife does a fair amount of screaming as well. <laughs> not in the field. And she says, Brian, it's not time for talking in right now. In the living room. <laughs> it's time for screaming. Exactly. Um. Now, another interesting component to this, because everyone thinks somebody like Courtney, you've got all the answers. You've seen the blueprints. You're a professional therapist. Mm-hmm. So there aren't any trap doors for you in life. But as we headed into this episode of the podcast, you said, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little uncomfortable. There's something that I want to talk about. And this is what I think is great because normally you're coming from the perspective of the therapist. Mm -hmm. But in this instance, you're almost coming from the perspective of the reluctant patient who's like, I don't know if I have the courage or the wherewithal to say what I want to say. I feel like maybe I should be keeping this inside. Oh God, what do I do? So setting it up in that that way. Well, because I've been that patient, and anybody who's listening to this who's on my side of things is probable because I've had years of practice (laughs) myself being that person. So let's just gently (laughs) dip a toe into that little puddle and see where it goes. So I always wanted to do a one woman show on identity and belonging and that kind of thing because I struggled with that as a kid. Now, I won't go into some stuff, but just to say, so I have parents and my father, he took me as his own when my parents got married and he raised me at like three or four years old, but I don't know half of my background. I don't know my biological father. So because I look a little different from my family, that was always something that was pointed out as a kid when you're out in the neighborhood. How come you look a little different? What are you? So I didn't really know for a long time. And so I just knew I was kind of mixed with things. And this was something that as I got older, now think of this too, growing up in the 70s and 80s, it's a little different now. We've come a long way. We still have a long way to go, but we've come a long way. You see a lot more diversity everywhere, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. But in the 70s and 80s, growing up predominantly in Caucasian areas, anything different would be like, what's the deal? So there was a lot of teasing. There was a lot of bullying. There was a lot of that kind of stuff that I dealt with. Like I said, my parents were great, but I didn't know how to bring that up. I didn't know what to do about that. So I think that's where I started to get some of that, like, okay, I'll just be happy and funny and I'll be the people pleaser. And so I think some of that developed out of that. Like I always want people to be okay with me and be happy with me. So that went on. So eventually when I went into acting (laughs) with all the rejection, (laughs) (laughs) then it became the question of, well, what are you? Because we don't know what to cast you as. I actually had a casting director look at me and say, well, pick something and act more like it. And I said, oh, like a stereotype? Like, what is that about? 
there was a lot of stuff that I heard that I was kind of like shocked. But when you come from a mixed background, sometimes it's difficult to figure out who your group is. Like, where do you belong? And so I had this sense sometimes where I just couldn't fill up. And I think that sometimes my relationships that I would pick, like I said, I would be people pleasing the wrong people. And I lost some of my identity for a while there that I didn't know kind of who I was because I would be whatever you wanted me to be. And so I think that that really informed a lot of things. And as I got older, I started to cope with that and do more writing about that and get a little bit deeper on that. I went to a life coach who did a lot of therapy with me, actually. And so it was really helpful. And I feel like I have such a better handle on that now. But when I think back to when I was a kid, it really did impact me. And it was a really painful time. Even in my 20s, I remember just having these really hard times with it. So speaking to that, I just want to say to people, if you feel that way, or if you see your kids feeling that way, or if you're an adult and you feel that way, and you're like, something's not sitting with me right, it is important to get some of that help around it. To have your tribe is so important. And sometimes that can start with getting a deeper dive about what you're feeling through therapy. It's interesting because we're going to reverse roles. You're on the couch now. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let's take a look at this journey because yeah. as a child, this is something that you probably never really even thought about mm-hmm. until you got out into the world and other people started pointing it yeah. out. So then you started to get a little bit tense and mm-hmm. defensive about it, and it stuck with you as all of these things right. do. Then you become an adult. You are auditioning for a role. Mm-hmm. You start getting those questions. And like that child, mm-hmm. you feel like you're being judged all over again. You're feeling self-conscious. Mm-hmm. So you have to do a lot of work on that to shake things off. And all I could think of as you were sharing that, we are both big fans of the show, This Is Us. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking about the Randall character oh, on This yeah. Is Us. Mm-hmm. And during one of the seasons, I believe it was the previous season, he went on this journey. Mm-hmm. For people who don't know the show, it is a pair of Caucasian parents who have triplets and one of them doesn't make it. They're mm-hmm. at the hospital. There has been a baby who has been abandoned, who happens to be African-American. They end up adopting him. He has the best parents in the world. Mm-hmm. He has his issues with his siblings, as we all do. And over time, he gets those questions. He gets right. those judgments. And he starts to feel guilty about it because he knows his parents have given him this great mm. life. And yet somehow he's feeling ungrateful. But he wants to know more about where he came from. Right. And he wants to find places where he can fit in. But he wants to do it without offending mm-hmm. these people who have been so kind to him. And I have to imagine, as you are watching that, I'm watching it thinking, wow, I've never been through this. This is opening my eyes to an experience that I've never seen or felt or probably never will. And you're sitting there going, yep. I'm yep, yep. You're trying to make me cry today. <laughs> oh but this is the great thing about what you've brought to the table today. Oh, I'm bringing it to the table today. And this is what I also want to say in relation to when you have that reluctance and reticence, mm-hmm. a very interesting and I think eye-opening conversation can happen. And that's what you've brought today. And I commend you for that. I really think that when this is done for as on the spot as you feel right now and emotional, you're going to be like, whew, that felt yeah. pretty good. And then when you think, hey, I might have helped somebody else mm-hmm. who's been through the same thing. That's bonus time. Right. That's gravy. And actually, you put it together so beautifully, Brian, <laughs> as a therapist and also as all of the things you were saying about the plot line. I learned it from <laughs> watching you. Awesome. I'm like, wow, that's beautiful <laughs> how you did that. Because that's what we often do in therapy. We'll bring something in as a reference, and that helps to deepen the learning and also to validate what the person's going through. But let that be an example of how you have to be open to those mm-hmm. kinds of things, be looking for yes. them, and be willing to process them, even if it's starting to get 
a little yeah. bit uncomfortable because it's those uncomfortable moments. As we always say, if everything went well all the time, you'd learn nothing. Right. It's when things are at their worst where you put the pedal to the metal and you discover who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think you just had that moment. I think it's one of the greatest moments that's ever happened yeah. on this podcast, to be honest with well, you. Well, the thing is, too, I use that in therapy all the time because people come to me in all different ways. Sometimes it has to do with identity. So I can relate on a certain level and they can feel that, even if I don't talk, obviously, about my personal life. But there can be some things that I say that they understand that I know where they're coming from. And I do have clients who have different backgrounds that they never felt they fit in or they found out later in life something about their family, that they mm-hmm. are not part of that family biologically and they found out later in life. All different things with identity and belongingness. And so I feel like that is where I have even more compassion in that space. And that's what happens too. They always say, make your mess your message. The things that you have been hurt by, also you get through it and you learn and you can in turn help someone else and bring them up. And so I've always felt that that's an important thing. Of course, it's difficult. This is my journey and that's what I speak on that. I don't want to speak on anyone else's journey that's connected to that. It's just about my experience. But it is hard because like you said, just like Randall, you don't want to say that somebody did something wrong. It's just the fact of how you're feeling. And they didn't do anything wrong. And they didn't do anything wrong. It's just how you're feeling and taking responsibility for that and being able to stand tall with that and say, okay, this is honest and this is what I've felt. Well, here's where you and I now become a little bit closer and bond a little bit more and come together through our identities and your experience as the patient and my experience as the therapist and Mm -hmm. having different paths, but similar things happen to us throughout life. Many people have often accused me of being way too much of an open book. They will hear my radio show and say, how could you say that about this? And aren't you afraid about upsetting that person or doing Mm -hmm. this or that or the other thing? And to me, that is a part of the therapy. It is getting those things out there and being open to hearing what other people have to say about it. And maybe having a conversation with somebody later that I was talking about on the air, it gets back to them. And we say, well, we've never discussed this privately. Well, maybe it's time for us to discuss this privately and Mm -hmm. see if we can't work through this and take it to another level. And that takes some courage. Mm. But that is why I have the courage to be as open as I am, not only here in my comedy, in the play that I wrote that is also very personal, a movie that I wrote about Phil Hartman, my good friend who was murdered as I tried to process all of that. And yeah, even on the radio show. Mm -hmm. And I would say from time to time too on social media, I get very upset and sometimes people say to me, don't say anything, don't respond to this. When people I know start pushing some buttons on the whole COVID situation and I know that these people, I know that they know that I lost my mom and they're saying things about, oh, oh, it's nothing and it's all a hoax and everything else. Yeah, sometimes I'll throw a punch (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I just want to say, ahem, and maybe that's not the best thing to do every single time. But sometimes I need to, to work through it and to let that person know, hey, you're not the only person on social media. And not only are you potentially hurting me, somebody who I thought you loved, you may be really messing up a total stranger who doesn't need Mm -hmm. to see this right now. There are pluses and minuses to be in an open book. There are lines, as with everything else, but I applaud you. I commend you for being the open (laughs) book that you were this morning. Very well done, Courtney. Well, and like I said, it's a challenge, but I think we all have our challenges, and that's my point, too, is that we all have something that we are wrestling with or have wrestled with, and to be able to be a little bit more honest, even if we're not talking to other people in this way or on a podcast, but to be able to open up to the people, just like you said, sometimes you would put your arm out and kind of hold people Mm -hmm. at distance, but really opening up to those people who deserve that, the people who really care about you and that you can trust, it's really important. 
to open up a little bit and have that vulnerability. I've seen where the arm's length thing Mm -hmm. helps and hurts, and I've seen where the open book thing helps and hurts. But what do I have in common? I've tried both. I'm open to both. Mm -hmm. I learn from my mistakes with both, and you have to be willing to take that step, and that is why I am very proud of you, because you took that Mm -hmm. step today. So, well done, my friend. thank you. Well done. What the (laughs) hell are we going to do for episode 87? (laughs) No, we're not going to be able to top this. I'm going to need a couple of weeks off. In the meantime, Courtney, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? You can email me at wellness at wctk.com. Also, we have great resources, wellness411 page at catcountry.com. You can always check that out as well. All those dangerous and toxic socials, you better believe we're there. We're all over them. (laughs) At Cat Country Mornings, in terms of if you want to belong to our little group, you can get to us that way. But we also have individual pages. Mm -hmm. Courtney Kelly. Courtney with the C, Kelly E-Y, Bedard sometimes, Brian Mulhern, <laughs> Brian with an I, H-E-R-N for Mulhern. And you have to say Courtney with a C now because of the Kardashians. Exactly. <laughs> I always say, they go with a C or a K. I'm like, I'm not a Kardashian. And I've had to say Brian with an I because of that God <laughs> Brian Adams for how many decades now? Uh, oh, cuts me like a yeah. knife, Courtney. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh. So contact us and make sure you spread the word about the podcast, Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and oh, so many places. Don't forget get about the smart devices as well. Courtney, thank you very much. Oh, thank you. And thank you for listening to Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. I want to